Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is Mark Stein, the foreign virus in the bloodstream of the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Uh, I snuck through the closed Canadian border, closed by order of uh, Canada's 12-year-old Prime Minister yesterday. I mentioned yesterday I'd been um, selling toilet paper uh, off the back of the truck after the show. We sold out. It's the super premium uh, all-Canadian two-ply kind uh, because uh, uh, basically Canada is the... Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is Mark Stein, the foreign virus in the bloodstream of the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Uh, I snuck through the closed Canadian border, closed by order of uh, Canada's 12-year-old Prime Minister yesterday. I mentioned yesterday I'd been um, selling toilet paper uh, off the back of the truck after the show. We sold out. It's the super premium uh, all-Canadian two-ply kind uh, because uh, uh, basically Canada is the Saudi Arabia of toilet paper. That's a, that's a point you guys might want to bear in mind uh, uh, before you launch uh, War of 1812, the, uh, the rematch. You're going to be pretty itchy after a couple of weeks of that, I can tell you. The president and the coronavirus task force are speaking at this hour, we will bring you any news that emerges uh, from that, although uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said that in economic terms for certain industries, this is worse than 9-11, and he's itching to send checks out immediately. Uh, that's something other countries are also doing. Spain, uh, the Spanish government, has decreed that all mortgage repayments are suspended, and uh, has announced a financial aid package equivalent to 20% of GDP, which would be about 
five trillion bucks in America as opposed to the 850 billion uh, that the president has uh, proposed. Uh, Rush is out. Ken Matthews is here tomorrow. Uh, Todd Herman Thursday, and then oh, great news! The man himself. You were you probably wondering why is this thing called the Rush Limbaugh Show when uh, Ken Matthews is here, or whatever? Well, it's called the Rush Limbaugh Show because there's a guy called Rush Limbaugh, and he's going to be back here behind the microphone for Open Line Friday on Friday. And you know, because Rush is the mayor of Realville, uh, why he's not here today? He'll tell you as much about that as he wants to tell you on Friday. If you want to send Rush your best wishes, uh, the best way to do it, uh, your your mega dittos, your mega prayers, your mega love, uh, mega love, I think I think we like to do it Barry White style here, uh, then you can do it by just going to RushLimbaugh.com, clicking on the third button along, uh, and send uh, Rush a special note there. Happy St. Patrick's Day. America is celebrating St. Patrick's Day by cancelling parades. There's no parade in Chicago, no parade in New York, no parade in Boston, and there's no Irishman getting across uh, into the uh, land of the free and the home of the brave. As of midnight last night, Ixnay on 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 the Irishman. They're out. They're done. They can't they can't get in. Along with the uh, English, Scots, and Welsh, the last four holdouts, uh, the last four exemptions to President Trump's European ban, they're banned as of midnight last night. So you might have to have a St. Patrick's Day without any Irishman. It's no better in the old sod itself. Uh, Dublin has cancelled its St. Patrick's Day and has closed all the pubs. This is what it's come to, folks, a non-alcoholic St. Patrick's Day. What a grim thought. Um, if you're in uh, listening in the Buffalo area, have they gone ahead and done the old trick of dyeing the Niagara River green? I, I, I don't know. Maybe, that's, uh, uh, maybe that frothing green water uh, of the Niagara River may actually prove to be a cure for the coronavirus. Who knows? We're trying everything at the moment. Uh, it, uh, in other news from the economic impact of the coronavirus, the red light district in Amsterdam, Amsterdam's renowned red light district, where prostitutes beguile their customers with red lights in the store windows. The red light district has been closed and there's no word on when they're going to green light the red light district Again, so you can't go if you're a tourist in Amsterdam, you can not go to the red light district and seek pleasures there. You know, this is what I feared when this story got going, this whole coronavirus thing, that this would be a story without a happy ending. It's terrible. Election day, election day in America, some parts of America, Florida, Arizona, Illinois are going ahead with their elections but not Ohio primary elections. This is this is a is a is a choice between Bernie and Biden worth leaving the house for. Come on, be honest. Mike Dewine in Ohio closed. Uh, he he cancelled. He postponed the primary today's primary, and some judge overruled him and said, "No, no, the primary's back on." And Mike Dewine did something that's rather interesting. He basically said, screw you, judge, the order stands. We're going ahead with no primary uh, in a land that is very deferential 
to the uh, judiciary. That's a very interesting development. So Mike, DeMar- Mike DeWine said, we don't, we don't care what, you, uh, what the judge says. There's no primary. I said yesterday, I don't want to do an, you know, a whole I told you so thing. But but I'm I'm I said I couldn't really see why Florida was going. This 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 state, the Chad lands of Florida, can't run an election in the best of times with nothing else going on. Uh, they're possibly the most incompetent election holders this side of the Congo. Uh, and I may be if you're if you're a Congolese American and I'm doing you a disservice by that comparison, I do apologize. But the Chad lands of Florida, most incompetent. A jurisdiction at holding elections, certainly in the Americas. And they decided to go ahead with uh, the election. And I said yesterday, I thought one thing that might happen would I would be surprised if uh, if election workers, poll workers turned up. Um, well, so far, the election's going just as any creature more sentient than an earthworm could have predicted. From the Associated Press, some Florida polling places couldn't open as poll workers didn't arrive because of fears over the potentially deadly virus. The Palm Beach County Elections Department said many workers failed to show up in at least five locations. The county had 800 volunteers back out as of Monday, with just 100 new volunteers offering to take their place. So the good news for all you Florida retirees, all you seniors, all you people with uh, underlying conditions who go to Florida for your health, is you can go out and vote today, choosing between Bernie and Biden, but the lines are going to be even longer, uh, because uh, in Palm Beach County alone, 800 uh, poll workers backed out and have not shown up uh so so the good news is and this is like a tribute to the enduring spirit of the great state of florida is that it's going to be even more of a fiasco than you than usual this primary bernie are they still doing the big election specials uh on the uh, tv tonight live results and everything is it as it all comes in, be very uh, unusual to watch. But uh, apparently turnout is down uh, in part because the people available, and you know the way this goes, There's the, about, a lot of the people who they have these ballot judges who sit in these polling stations and determine whether this is a valid ballot and that is a valid ballot. And if it is a valid ballot, which slight indentation in it can be divined as a vote for whoever. Apparently, some of those ballot judges haven't turned up either. So this election, this primary day in Florida, it it, it could be years before the election is uh, is ever known. And who knows uh, which bit of society, whether there'll even be a state of Florida by that point. It uh, it could go any which way. Um, other news: um, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, gave a uh, press conference, governor of New York, about an hour ago. He said uh, his uh, he expected the coronavirus cases to peak in New York in 45 days' time. That would be early May. He expects them to peak in New York. Um, he says the state will need uh, 55,000 to 110,000 hospital beds and uh 18,600 
to 37,200. He's predicting very precisely here. ICU beds at the projected peak, uh, and that uh, and that uh, is currently New York State has 3,000 ICU beds. So in his best-case scenario, there will still be only one ICU bed for every six patients who needs it. That's what Andrew Cuomo said about an hour ago. We'll talk through any aspect of this you want to talk to. Call me, 1-800-282-2882. There's events going on all over the world. Uh, as I said yesterday, my the, the number I watch, because the Chinese are lying, uh, the Iranians are lying, like uh, in the obituary column in Tehran today, there are another four big shots who died. Like they're, we At the moment, we've got like Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson got it. And uh, Idris Elba, uh, the guy they tipped to be the first black James Bond, uh, has got it. Um, but uh, but in Tehran, in the Tehran papers, uh, the obituaries column is full of uh, Iranian big shots, big shot ayatollahs, big shot uh, generals from the Revolutionary Guard who are all uh, pushing up daisies now, uh, which is the good news. Um, but they're... But uh, they're, they're not being honest about their numbers. The first country that's really being honest about the, the death toll is Italy. And as I say, they released their new daily death figures. Uh, I think it was 360 yesterday. But they basically lost over 700 people in the last couple of days. So they've had uh, proportionately, we got into a little bit of a ding-dong over this, but proportionately uh, that's the equivalent of uh, a 9-11 every couple of days. So we're interested to see whether they can flatten that curve in the tedious cliché of our times. Uh, and that number will be coming out shortly after 1 p.m. Eastern. I pay uh, great attention to it. If you don't, that's fine. Whatever your view on this thing, 1-800-282-2882. Give me a call. Interested to hear all takes. Uh, at, at, on these, ty- and these uh, times such as these, it's important to bear in mind that no one knows nothing. Uh, so your view may prevail. You may be proved a genius. Whatever you got, give it a go. If you actually want to talk about this Bernie Biden uh, so-called <laughs> Super Tuesday redux that we're going to be going through today, uh, and you think there's any interesting developments on that, do do uh, bend my ear about that. If you think that is worth talking about, uh, you know, some of the things I don't I can't be bothered talking about, like NBC News, for example. Uh, NBC News has has got this story about uh, protesting at the way uh, Trump has called it uh, the 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 Chinese virus, and they're all annoyed about his racism. And I'd rather NBC News just cleared off and self-quarantined i cleaned that sentence up i'm so i'm so depressed by the trivia of this kind of thing either this thing is serious to you or it's not but saying oh we called it a chinese virus <laughs> you know i said i had, had this line i've been using for a couple of years now we'll be talking about the trans transgendered bathrooms when the mullers nuke us we're now actually talking about transgendered bathrooms during the zombie apocalypse either this thing is important to you you're the guys who are saying this important to you you spent the first three years saying trump is hitler now you're complaining that he's not being hitler enough 
that there's 50 states and God knows how many mayors and they're all doing their own freelance policy. And where's Hitler giving the big direction from uh, from Washington on what the whole uh, country should be? Doing? Where's Hitler when you need him? We, we damned this guy as Hitler for three years and now he's not being Hitler enough. There's never a Hitler around when you need it. The, the ludicrous triviality, worthlessness, there is nothing more, less worth paying attention to than the so-called mainstream media, who are now always uh, complaining that uh, Trump said that this virus was caused by funky Chinamen from funky Chinatown. Yeah, well, it was. Well, it was. Funky Chinamen from funky Chinatown <laughs> is why we're in this mess. And if that's your only point, if you're still policing language, if you're still saying you can't say that, uh, when uh, the stock market has lost a third of its value in the last month, uh, when Chinese manufacturing is down 13%, when even uh, Canada and the European Union are discovering the virtues of borders and locked borders, you know, basically Justin is saying we're building a wall on the southern border and we want Trump to pay for it. That's basically what he's doing. And all you're doing is, oh, Trump said Chinese. Oh, Trump said Chinese. As I said yesterday, get real or drop dead, because that's the choice. 1-800-282-2882. Mark Stein for Rush. Lots more straight ahead. I mentioned yesterday that uh, on 9-11, one of Tony Blair's advisors uh, famously emailed him that now would be a very good time to get out any news we want to bury. And a lot of news that will get buried is uh, coming out. And I just want to mention one example of it before uh, we attend to the headlines of the day. But the feds, that's to say the United States Department of Justice, is dropping its charges. It's filed a motion to drop charges against two Russian companies that were supposedly funding a social media campaign to sway American opinion during the 2016 election. In other words, they're dropping one of the pretexts for the stupid, evil Russia investigation that the dirty, filthy, stinking, corrupt Department of Justice and the dirty, filthy, stinking, corrupt Federal Bureau of Investigation tied America up in for three years. Now, I had a line that Rush liked to quote a lot. I just I think I said it first to Greta Van Susteren or somebody. Uh, there are no Russians in the Russia investigation. And and, and, and Rush quoted that line because he liked it. And uh, at a certain point, uh, it came to the attention of Robert Mueller. So he thought, oh, my God, we better get some Russians into the Russia investigation. So he indicted a whole bunch of so-called Russian companies that had attempted to sway public opinion. I don't even know why that's illegal. I don't know. Uh, including this company, this it's basically a catering company, Concord Catering, that also has an affiliated company called Concord Management and Consulting that were indicted by Mueller in 2018. And it's controlled by a pal of Putin's, this company, called Yevgeny Prigozhin. And the, the, uh, most of the Russians, he indicted 15 Russians, Mueller. And most of them, are, it's not even clear whether they're real people. Uh, they might just be bots or content farmers. And he did it secure in the knowledge that none of them were going to ever show up in a U.S. courtroom and defend themselves. And uh, so he would get a judgment against them by default, and he'd have got these convictions. 
And instead, and hilariously, and God bless Concord Catering and Concord Management and Consulting, these guys pushed back against the dirty, stinking, rotten, corrupt FBI and the dirty, stinking, rotten, corrupt Department of Justice uh, and turned up in the courtroom and demanded all the things that normal Americans demand in a court case, like discovery on the dirty, rotten, stinking, corrupt Department of Justice and the dirty, rotten, stinking, corrupt FBI. And after panicking and delaying and moving to continue, Mueller and his ghastly, awful third-rate team, the Department of Justice, has now actually moved to drop all charges against these two Russian companies. The two Russian companies actually might well object to charges being dropped. They might actually say, no, no, after being tarred by this filthy, corrupt Robert Mueller, we'd like to actually clear our names, Your Honour. These guys, these guys threw a bucket of mud over us. Uh, we think we're entitled to a judicial shower from this court. But we shouldn't forget this. At a time when we're looking to bureaucracies, I said yesterday, bureaucracy, and particularly federal bureaucracy to save us, that we have a big problem in this, com- in this country uh, with a federal bureaucracy that is at best dysfunctional, as we see at the CDC, for example, uh, and is at worst utterly corrupt and evil, as the Department of Justice and the FBI uh, are when they loose this clown Mueller on fake opponents like Russians. Yeah, Rush is back Friday uh, to break down. I won't even, don't even want to think about the way, uh, what will have happened by Friday. If, if you remember, I think at the time I was here yesterday, the president was uh, advising, the federal government was advising that you should not gather in groups of more than 50 uh, so that's not a problem for a Joe Biden rally, obviously. Uh, 24 hours later, he was saying that you shouldn't gather in groups more than 10, um, which uh, which isn't really a, uh, a problem for a Joe Biden rally either. Uh, at any rate, uh, I saw this story. Uh, a Kentucky coronavirus patient 53 years old, Nelson County, checked himself out of the hospital against medical advice. Um, So to prevent him from spreading the virus, officials are surrounding his house to keep him there. Uh, Nelson County Sheriff Ramon Pineroa told the Kentucky Standard that deputies will park outside of the man's home for 24 hours a day for two weeks and see if he dies by then. Uh, that's what he got for not cooperating. He can't leave his house, and there's uh, the sheriffs are parked outside his house to prevent him leaving 24 hours a day. And it reminded me of something, a book I uh, did uh, back when I was a teenager by uh, Daniel Defoe, who uh, wrote a, a journal. It's, a, it's based basically on his uncle's diaries, but he wrote a novel that's a journal of the plague in London, in the 17th century. And uh, Daniel Defoe's the guy who wrote uh, Robinson Crusoe, which I believe is the book that's been translated into more languages than any other book in history except the Bible. Uh, that's certainly what it was when, when I read this uh, Daniel Defoe at school. It may have changed that, maybe Fifty Shades of Grey, I don't know. Uh, but at any rate, Daniel Defoe, in his Journal of the Plague, says that when you'd been identified as how it breaks out in London, uh, what they did was they had a constable stand outside. Yet one did the day shift, 
which I think was from something like 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And then another guy came and did that. Another constable came and did the night shift and prevented you from leaving the house in London during the plague years. And thinking about that book, which I haven't thought about really until the last few days, it's amazing to me how basically all the things you that there has been really nothing new in the three and a half centuries since uh, the London plagues of uh, the, the 17th century. And uh, it's all the same. It's all the same things. Uh, they tell people to swell self-quarantine because people don't like to self-quarantine like this guy in Kentucky. They don't have to send constables outside the house. Uh, the doctors who treat the sick then get sick themselves, as we've seen with some young doctors both in New York State uh, and in Washington State and uh, over in Italy, where they're being overwhelmed by it and they're dying from it. Uh, the head of the medical uh, guild in one part of Italy, he uh, he died of it uh, treat, from treating all the patients. That's the same thing that happened as Daniel Defoe does. And then you have the thing... The, the, like the tri-state lockdown, you can't go out, you can't do anything, you can't go to bars, can't go to restaurants, can't go, uh, to see any sporting events. That was exactly the same thing. The first thing the mayor and the alderman did, uh, in the plague three and a half centuries ago was to ban, uh, uh, things like plays, like Broadway, in other words, which is banned now, uh, banning all the pubs, which, uh, They've uh, just closed on the eve of St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, uh, banning all the sports. And it wasn't the NHL and the NBA and the uh, NCAA and uh, all that stuff. It was bear baiting then. Everyone loved the bear baiting. And so they'd all go along and see the bear baiting uh, and crowd in, and that spread the plague. So they had to clamp down on bear baiting. And what's fascinating to me, Daniel, it's a, it's a brilliant journal that Daniel Defoe wrote it's uh the uh, uh in fact i believe max brooks who's the son of mel brooks i believed he based his zombie apocalypse thing partly on that but what's interesting to me is that essentially no one's come up with really any new ideas since then self-isolation uh quarantining the sick if necessary by force closing down uh pubs and taverns and bear baiting and plays. Uh, it's, it's essentially all the stuff that has just happened in the last 72 hours in the United States would be instantly recognizable to Daniel Defoe uh, from his journal uh, of, the, uh, of, of the Great Plague of London. Nothing has changed. Uh, Self-isolation. We saw this with Andrew Gillam. He bust out of the house and holed up in a a hotel room with all that crystal meth and a gay hooker. You know, it's stressful staying home. Everyone needs to bust down. We, not all of us want the crystal meth and the gay hooker. We can make do with other things. We don't need the rent boy and the drugs. But people find, a lot of people find it stressful staying at home. And it was interesting to me what Rush said last week on a completely unrelated theme. He, he, was, he was asked a sort of uh, retrospective question looking back uh, on what he'd be what he's been doing here for for decades but it's actually useful advice if in in our present times now they've told people don't go out don't do this stay home stay inside which many people find difficult and as rush explained in a completely unrelated context 
he doesn't find it difficult. I happen to love being at home. A lot of people hate being at home, but I absolutely love it. You know, I've never understood people that spend a lot of time designing or building or whatever they do with their home, and then the minute it gets done, they leave. And they're never there. I've, I've never understood that. I love my home. I love being there. That's, that's why it exists for me to be there and to get the most out of it I can. There's nowhere I can go without taking a whole bunch of stuff with me that I can be as comfortable and productive and as happy as I am at home. Yeah, and I'm with him on that. He says that because he's a radio magician. And uh, and you get good at radio by you're speaking into the golden EIB microphone and you're connecting with millions and millions of people that you never that you never meet. And that connection with Rush and everybody listening is real and has been real for 30 years. Uh, And and uh, at a time like this, when you uh, you have to stay home more more than you otherwise might, that's that's kind of easy for him. Because he's got this great interior life, the millions of, of you uh, that live and breathe and are very vivid uh, in inside his head. And I, I would say I'm not really a radio guy. You know, I do this once every couple of months or so. Uh, I, I make. I used to spend most of my time writing. I used to be a writer, really. Uh, I had a touch of writer's block uh, recently. Don't do as much of it as can. But the same thing is like a, a writer. You learn very early on to self-isolate. You're sitting in a room, you put the piece of paper in the typewriter or whatever, uh, and you basically have to sort of create a, a rich world on the page as you're writing. And so if you if you do what Rush does, you do what I do, it's it's easy. And the thing about it is it's, it's difficult for most people. It's difficult for most people. Uh, and we're going to have to learn that in the way the Spaniards and the Italians and the French and so on are, current, are currently learning it. But what Rush said just there is actually a terrific example. You can have a rich, uh, rewarding, fulfilling day just by being at home if you, ha- if you have to. And yes, everyone would like, like in Dublin right now, they're itching to get to the pub and they can't. But... Um, what Rush said there is actually a, a real example. I can understand it. I agree with it. And it's worth thinking about because this is, this is going to be, get difficult. If Andrew Cuomo is right and it's going to peak in New York in 45 days' time, you know, this isn't stuff you do lightly. Boris Johnson said we didn't take – he said yesterday when he impo- – he said people over, I think, 65 should stay home, expect to stay home for the next three months. He, and they said, well, why didn't you say that last week? Because that's what the press does. Why didn't you do that earlier? And he gave a good answer. He said, because what we're asking people to do is very difficult, is very difficult. And it's hard enough to do it when it's absolutely necessary to do it. So you don't want to ask people to do it unless and until it is necessary. But when it becomes necessary, you've got to do it. Or you're like this guy in Kentucky and you've got sheriffs parked outside your house uh, 24 hours a day to make sure you stay at home. Mark Stein for Rush. The president is still speaking. The Treasury Secretary has said that within two weeks, everyone will get a four-figure check. That's to say more than $1,000. And tax payments are deferred. Tax season in America, as they call it, hideous name. But tax season will not end on April the 15th, but is uh, extended 
until we come out the other side of this, and everyone will be getting a check for more than $1,000 within two weeks. Mark Stein for Rush. We will take your calls straight ahead. Mark Stein for Rush. First up on America's number one radio show today, we go to uh, Dallas, Texas, and David. Uh, welcome to the show, David. What's on your mind today? Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm good, thanks. How are things in Dallas? Things are okay. We're, we're hanging in there. I'm, I'm praying for Rush. I'm a big fan of yours, and I thank you for doing That's, what you do. Oh, well, thank you for your prayers for Rush. He, he really uh, appreciates them, and uh, it, it's, it's part of this uh, special connection between him and millions of people, including you, that means so much to him. Thank you. Yes, sir. David. Well, I, I just wanted to say I've been watching everything going on in addition to trying to take care of my family, and one thing I've noticed is, you know, Trump has been so successful in the first several years of his presidency because he has found a way to go beyond the media, you know, through Twitter and his rallies. And he has basically just done kind of what Reagan did, which was just go above mm. the media. Mm. And I think part of the communications challenge in the last week or so, or last month, has been, you know, he's back to the same kind of unhappy place that a lot of Republican presidents find themselves, which is he's having to communicate through the media. And if you watch these press conferences, it's just, it's, it's just very <laughs> challenging. You know, he's, uh, half of them are, seem like they're out to get him. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of people are watching now that maybe don't normally pay attention to politics. And all of a sudden, his normal effective communication style is being blunted uh, by people who seem like, you know, they're not out to inform the public. They're just out to get him. Yeah, I, well, I think that's actually a, a, a very profound point, David. Uh, essentially, uh, he was he was able to use Twitter to blast through uh, the media, who are just appalling in this country and have been particularly appalling since whatever it was, November the eighth in twenty sixteen. And but he also benefited from reality, which is the the reality of life under Trump is that the economy was booming. And so reality and Twitter between them crushed uh, the media narrative. And the, the, as you can, as you've seen with this, all the stupid story, the thing I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, NBC News is complaining. He called it a Chinese virus. He called it a race. You know, he's a racist for calling it a Chinese. Uh, the media may actually overplay its hand. In things are going to get bad for. I mean, there are businesses that are going to close. There are restaurants in New York and suburban Connecticut and New Jersey that are going to be closing and won't reopen. They'll go out of business. And the, and the question is whether he can actually impose a reality now that defeats the even more stupid things the media are going to be say, saying about him. And that is, that's a cha I, I take your point that these press conferences, he's standing there uh, with a lot of uh, medical experts and all the rest of it, it's a slightly awkward format for him, and he can't just play smash mouth with the, with some of these idiotic questioners. But uh, you know, Trump Trump didn't get to where he is without being uh, having the nimbleness uh, to to try new things and change. And the question is, as I said, whether reality and Trump can between them do as he's done for the last year. Uh, last three years and crushed the stupid triviality and obsession and wickedness of the media. I'd say that's the challenge. The challenge is the same, but just slightly more so, David. I agree. I agree. And I think any time in these press conferences that they ask him a question, 
the gotcha question, one of the guys the other day said, you know, how do you rank yourself one through ten? You know, yeah. totally irrelevant to the normal common American out there. How does yeah. Trump rate his – he just needs to say, look, we're not doing that right now. We're yeah. going to help yeah. Americans, and then we're going to get – you know, you can get back to trying to destroy me in two months. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what – I think that's actually a brilliant answer. I think he should say, look, that's a really stupid question. Why don't we all pull together and then we'll have what the economists call a V, a, a V-shaped curve where we go into it very quickly and we come out of it very quickly. And then you guys can get back to playing all your stupid games like you've done for the last three years as if nothing had happened. Your answer, David, is actually the one he should have, he should have given. Thank you for that. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, as I said, David made a a profound point. Um, you know, this is a global phenomenon, and nowhere is like anywhere else. You know, people say, well, America isn't like China, America isn't like Iran, America isn't like Italy. Well, Italy isn't like China, and China isn't like Iran, and, you know, and Iran is, that goes, Iran isn't like Spain or whatever, that goes all over. But the, the, what we have here is a, uh, an additional challenge that the, guy, the guys in those countries don't face is that for the stupid, myopic, trivial, worthless, garbage American media, this is just the, you know, never let a crisis go to waste thing uh, where this is just like impeachment to Russia investigation th- round three and they just use it for that appalling uh, but I don't think it's going to work for them. They seem less and less relevant, like Bernie and Biden. They seem less and less relevant to anything. They're not even, they're not even talking about anything that matters. When you're saying, oh, you're racist for calling it a Chinese virus, what you're basically saying, hello, I'm, I'm NBC News and you don't need to pay any attention to me till all of this is over. Waste of time. Mark Stein for Rush. We have lots more straight ahead. In non-virus. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is your EIB Anchor Baby. Thrilled to be here. Always a great honor uh, to be here. Uh, and I, as I said yesterday, I just wish uh, I just wish the, uh, the 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 demands of the guest hosting life weren't quite as onerous as they've been in the last few weeks. You know why that is. Rush was very upfront. Uh, uh, with you, very honest as he always is. And I'm not sure I'd be that honest when it comes to medical details and all that kind of things. You know why he's away. Uh, he is going to be back on Friday. We have your pals and mine, Ken Matthews uh, and Todd Herman in uh, tomorrow and Thursday. And then, as I say, the real deal, full strength, excellence in broadcasting with the man himself, uh, Rush Limbaugh, for Open Line Friday. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, you could. You, there's still things you can do uh, to mitigate. Mitigate. That's one thing all the uh, scientists keep talking about, and the doctors keep talking about uh, when the uh, when the virus comes sweeping in. When the virus, a guest host, comes sweeping in, you can mitigate by becoming a uh, Rush 24/7 subscriber. You go to RushLimbaugh.com and. You'll see the uh, Rush 24-7 button, and you take out the package. You can get Rush 
in any format known to man. So you can watch him on the Ditto Cam. Uh, you can uh, hear the show at any hour of the day or night. Um, and you can uh, get all the transcripts and everything else. Any form yet devised. And everything else is running out in this country. You know, you got no toilet paper, you got no wipes, uh, they're running short of ammo at the gun shop. But Rush 24-7 gets through every time. That is one thing. Uh, There's home delivery straight into your home. You can get it anywhere in the house. They'll be able to pump it straight into your brain soon enough. Uh, Rush 24-7, it's a great way. And also, I should mention, the current issue of the Limbaugh letter, if you take out a subscription to the Limbaugh letter, the current issue is just one that anybody who's been listening to Rush for 5, 10, 20, 30 years is going gonna, is gonna to want to treasure because it's Rush's own account of that um, wonderful State of the Union <laughs> at which the president, he, Rush knew he was getting the Medal of Freedom. Uh, he didn't know he was going to be getting it from the First Lady there and then live in front of a Democratic House of Representatives uh, and also in front of the nation. So in front of all those Democrats and the nation, uh, and Rush writes about that, in uh, his account of that special day with some beautiful photographs in a commemorative edition of the Limbaugh letter that you can get as well if you go to rushlimbaugh.com and uh, just press the uh, button for the Limbaugh letter. I said yesterday that uh, we, we talk about this tiresome phrase, flattening the curve, everyone's using now, and I said it, you know, God almighty, it sounds like a Playtex 24-hour girdle. And um, I'm uh, the only curve that I'm interested in the flattening thereof right now is the is the death count in Italy because the Chinese lie, the Iranians lie, the Italian stats are more or less honest, and you get a sense of what's happened over there when you just look at the death notices in the local papers in Bergamo or wherever. Um, you can see these on the internet where uh, 10 days ago there was one page of death notices in every edition. Now there are 10 pages in the local papers. You can get a sense of what's happening there. So I'm always very interested in seeing whether that death curve in Italy, where they're up to now uh, over I think officially 2,158 deaths it was at yesterday. And around about this time, which is, I think, 6 p.m. Central European time, is when they uh, announce the new deaths. And that's uh, that's a, a number that I pay close attention to, because if that uh, death curve can be flattened, um, then that actually is good. That's good news for the rest of us. So as, as soon as that's released, as soon as that uh, is released, I, I will I will bring that to you because that to me is of all the statistics at the moment. As the Surgeon General said, uh, uh, I think it was Sunday night, uh, we're basically two weeks behind Italy. This is this is the way these countries are going. Spain is a couple of days behind Italy. Switzerland, Norway, likewise, uh, a couple of days behind Italy. It's a little more. Uh, for France and Germany, uh, and basically Britain, Canada, and America are two weeks behind Italy. So flattening that death curve 
is uh, is uh, in Italy is significant. It is also election day, and as I predicted yesterday, the Florida election where uh, Ohio it's been cancelled. The judge decancelled it. Some judge at the Court of Common Pleas in a, in some county courthouse decancelled it. And then Governor Mike DeWine in Ohio said, screw you, Judge, uh, I'm re-canceling it. Uh, again, these are interesting times, interesting times. Nobody, as, as uh, President Trump said yesterday, nobody likes the postponement of elections. It's not a thing you want to get into the habit of. Uh, but we are seeing that in America and elsewhere, and he took the decision he took the decision that it wasn't right to endanger the lives of either the poll workers or the citizenry by requiring them to go out and vote. The Florida, in, in Florida, they took a different uh, approach and they have already had uh, long lines because poll workers aren't showing up in Palm Beach County. Uh, Broward, Miami-Dade, the usual places. I've, I've been told I'm not to tar. I was. Uh, I've been chided by a couple of listeners uh, from uh, the Florida Panhandle and elsewhere uh, for uh, tarring the whole of the state with the Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach brush because uh, they are at pains to point out that those um, parts of the state are particularly inept and incompetent at holding elections. But I don't think it was a good idea to go ahead with the Florida election. Supposedly, there's still going to be election night specials uh, on on the news tonight, no matter how low or unrepresentative the turnout. The other thing I said, if you're paying attention to this, is if it's... There, there are... I don't know what it's like on the roads in Florida. I do know when I drove, admittedly, I'm in a barely populated part of the world... But when I drove to the studio, basically the roads are deserted. Uh, so I don't get the sense that a lot of uh, octogenarian Floridians are itching to get out and vote for Joe Biden. And once you once the electorate starts to skew in favor of 50 and under, 40 and under, that's all Bernie's crowd. And so it could put a dent in in Joe Biden's uns- because Joe Biden has been surging across the map uh, faster than the coronavirus in the last couple of weeks. He's even more contagious. Everybody's catching Biden fever, supposedly. And if there is if if the Florida retirees decide they don't want to go and stand in long lines because only one out of eight poll workers has shown up that could actually put a dent in that but at any rate it is election day it's also a cheerless st patrick's day with bars almost every irish american precinct in the land uh, in boston and new york and chicago uh, the st patrick's day parade is off the bars are closed that's true in uh, the emerald isle itself Dublin has cancelled its St. Patrick's Day parade and closed the pubs too. So if you do, if you would like me to sing Tooralooralooral or Galway Bay to cheer you up, do let me know. I'm happy to do the extended uh, dance mix of Tooralooralooral. It goes on about 20 minutes. You may enjoy it. It'd be the only St. Patrick's Day thing you're going to get today because it's, uh, as I said, it's a cheerless, it's a cheerless uh, time for communal celebrations. They're now talking. Andrew Cuomo has said uh, 
the, oh, I should I should emphasize this is true that uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has said uh, they're going to be getting checks out within two weeks. Now, a lot can happen within two weeks, and we won't really be into the uh, you know anywhere. Uh, near the end of this thing, if Andrew Cuomo is right. He says it's going to be 45 days, all this. But uh, Secretary Mnuchin says these checks for over $1,000 for everyone will be going out within the next two weeks. Uh, what What we're watching, what we're trying to... Uh, keep an eye on is whether there's any sign right now the only people singapore life is beginning to return to normal i don't quite i don't trust what the chinese say about anything if 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 the chinese told me it was a clear bright sunny day i would take an umbrella i don't believe anything that government says Uh, but in uh in singapore and hong kong and south korea they have got this thing under a kind of control uh, because they did the necessary work uh, after the SARS pandemic. They didn't want that happening again. So the question is whether uh, we can um, do the same, do the same thing, uh, do the same thing here. But I'm watching that, that number very carefully. As I said, I'm interested in any, whatever you take on this, 1-800-282-2882, give, give me a call, because basically no one knows nothing. A lot of the, the experimental stuff is a shot in the dark. Uh, Boris Johnson said he wanted to uh, try a herd immunity approach. He was a rare Western leader who did not start shutting down things. He said, let everything stay open. He wanted basically 80% of the population to catch it and develop immunity that would then protect them come the autumn. Uh, Over the last couple, that's what he said, I think, Thursday or Friday. Over the weekend, he started to rethink it because his scientific advisors said, we made a bit of a miscalculation, and it looks like if you do that, you'll have half a million dead people by August. And half a million dead people concentrates... Uh, an elected leader's mind wonderfully. So he's modified that position and he's now recommending that people over 70 stay home for three months. But as I said, we're all taking shots in the dark in this. The information changes from day to day. Uh, your view may be as good as Boris Johnson's. Uh, your view may be as good as uh, the government of Singapore's or the government of Italy's. Whatever you got going, I'm interested to hear it. 1-800-282-2882, and we will take your calls after this. It is um, approaching half past one in the afternoon, Eastern Time, on Election Day in Florida, and many polling stations have still not opened because no one has turned up to open them and count the votes. So if you got there at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock whenever they opened and you're stupid enough to believe that these people are, are, are competent to run an election, you've been standing there uh, with your uh, neighbours coughing and sneezing on, on each other for five and a half hours now. Uh, just at a time, I made, the, I made this point yesterday. I don't want to do the whole I told you so thing about everything, but I said the bureaucracy has many things in common around the world, from China to Italy to Iran to Spain and even unto the state of Florida. And just 
at, at a time when you'd like to be reassured that your government is semi-competent, it goes ahead with holding an election it insists can proceed and then proves itself for the umpteenth bloody time that it's completely incapable of holding an election. This is uh, Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, who decided to go ahead with this thing. Republican governor, Democrat primary. Who cares? I don't want to leave. I wouldn't leave the House to vote for Bernie or Biden. That's that's not something worth doing, even if you don't get some fatal disease. But to hold it and then demonstrate to Florida and America and the planet that you're incapable of holding an election, would you want the people who run the Florida election, uh, for example, to run the distribution of testing kits, to, uh, to, to, to run the allocation of ICU unit beds, just at the very moment when you'd like it proved that your government knew how to do something semi-competently, it flops in front of your f- eyes as it's doing for all these oldsters in Florida today. Let's go to David in Perrysburg, Ohio, where we can guarantee he will not be standing in line to vote because there ain't no vote. Thanks to Governor <laughs> Thanks to Governor DeWine telling that judge to take a hike. Uh, David, uh, what's, what's on your mind today, David? Good afternoon, Mark. It's great speaking with you. Um, much love and hugs to Rush. Uh, long-time listeners. And we're looking forward to Friday, but hey, you're the next best thing. Well, so, um, uh, yeah, we're all we're all looking forward to Friday. Even even the amalgamated union of guest hosts is finding this stressful. Uh, thanks, thank you for that, David. Uh, what 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 else is uh, is bothering well, frankly, you this Friday? Frankly, um, I'm sure I can speak for many Americans. I know some of my neighbors. If, if we've talked about it, but frankly, I'm angry. I mean, with China. Um, you know, what they've done to us with this virus, you know, coming over this way. And then to have the gall to say that maybe our troops brought it over there or threatening to stop exports for medical uh, medical supplies, necessary medical stuff that we have. Now, you know, we've heard that they're manufacturing 95% of our antibiotics. And uh, I was going to get your take on this. Uh, called Rush earlier in the week, wasn't able to get through. So, um you know, what's your take on Trump right now? Seems like he's laying kind of low. Um, he's saying the right things. He's kind of just kind of biting his tongue. But when this is all said and done, what I'm hoping he'll do, if he's even able to do this, is, hey, I know from my stats, what I'm seeing here, my sources are saying we owe China in, in the effect of $1 trillion in debt to China. Yeah. You know, we yeah. owe them that. Um, hey, what's the chances of he takes a few billion off of that and says, hey, you've really wrecked our economy with this thing? Um, well, well, you know, we're, yeah. we're done playing these games. We're, we're going we're gonna to get some on the back end of this here, you know, to kind of straighten things out here. Yeah, I think I think uh, there's there's long term and short term things. First, you're right. The government of China, which makes 95 percent of uh, antibiotics used by Americans, antibiotics generally developed, by the way, by American and European pharmaceutical companies. China can't do that by itself. It can, it's just the cheapo manufacturing plant for these things. So uh, so f- f- just for making that threat, I believe the, chi- the Chinese ambassador was called by Mike Pompeo to the State Department and dressed down on the carpet. This is serious. You know, Americans are staying shut up in their homes by order of the government, 
because uh, of a virus loosed on the world by China. And then China says we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to withhold the drugs that will help ameliorate uh, your medical stress. That ambassador should be on a plane back to Beijing right now, not just giving an addressing down on the State Department carpet. So that ambassador should be gone. In the long term, David... We have to actually decouple the strategy, the Chimerica strategy, as my old colleague Niall Ferguson called it, uh, by which uh, America yokes its destiny to China, has failed. It's been a disaster for the world. It has been the most, uh, stra- it's the biggest strategic disaster in the world of the last half century, as we're now seeing. And we have to actually decouple and bring not just uh, pill manufacturing home. We should make our own aspirins, not just that, but we should bring an awful lot of other uh, manufacturing home. This, Your question is the biggest question of the day, David. Uh, I'm going to pick up on it on the other side of the break, but thank you for that because it's actually the critical question. We didn't learn the lessons from SARS. Will we learn it this time? Mark Stein in for Rush Rush back Friday. Uh, Ken Matthews, Todd Herman, here tomorrow and uh, Thursday. Uh, bef- bef- before I get back to that, which is a, a brilliant question about where we go with China, I do. Ju- I do just want to say. I said I'd check these Italian statistics to see whether we're bending the curve um, and flattening the curve. Um, and the uh, Italian number they had 345, which was just announced a few minutes ago. They had 345 people die in the last 24 hours. That's huge for a country of 60 million people. Uh, their total cases is up way over 31,000 now. Uh, so they're getting to the point where uh, it's conceivable that it- Italy, which has a population of about 60 million people, it's tiny compared with uh, China, uh, may actually. Uh, eventually have more cases than China. And what's interesting to me, if you want to look at the good news in this, over the last three days, so we had today, Tuesday, 345 people died in the last 24 hours. Yesterday it was 349, uh, and Sunday it was 368. So it seems, and before that it was going up, 97 uh, uh, 168, 250, and then it got to 368, and it seems to have stabilized at, so the, the curve seems to have flattened at around 350 dead people a day, which is not something, uh, which is not really good news, because if the curve flattens, you'd much rather it flattens somewhere way lower of that. And and as I said, proportionately, this means uh, – and I had some stupid e- – I keep getting stupid emails about this. I said Italy had proportionately suffered the equivalent of a 9-11 in two days. And somebody said, 9-11, 9-11, there were 3,000 dead, and this is only 700. Yes, exactly. It's proportionate. America is 300 million people. I'm doing the math roughly here. Italy is 60 million people. America has – 300 million people. Uh, so you do the math. Uh, 350 corpses a day is a bloody big pile of corpses in Italy. And if you don't get that, you really shouldn't pile. Go and self-isolate somewhere because your contribution isn't, isn't useful. They had a 
prison riot. Italy doesn't have prison riots. One thing that happens, you'll be getting Avenatti and Harvey Weinstein uh, complaining via their lawyers that uh, they're at risk from coronavirus by being penned up uh, in uh, in jail. Uh, Italy doesn't have prison riots. Twelve people died in prison riots in Italy in the last couple of weeks. That's unprecedented for uh, for, for for modern Italy. But at any rate, they've had over a thousand dead in the last three days, and it seems to have stabilized at around 350 a day. So you're talking about two and a half thousand corpses per week. But but the, that we're trying to find good news, and the good news is that that does not seem to be increasing. It looked when it was going up from 36 to 97 to 168 to 250 as if we might be at 500 deaths per day by now. If you can hold it at 350 in the absence of any other kind of good news, that's where you find the good news. So we'll we'll be watching that number because, as uh, Trump's Surgeon General said, we're two weeks behind Italy, and we don't want to we don't want to be getting into those those that would be just appalling uh, to have the equivalent of that uh, of that going on here but i want to get back to this question of china and as i said the greatest strategic miscalculation of uh, of the last half century was the idea that by bringing china into the world economic system to which it was largely irrelevant 35 years ago uh, would uh, would make China more like us. And in fact, what's happened is that we've got more like China. You notice uh, that when you have these big sports affiliates uh, who, who make some uh, observation in support of the protesters in Hong Kong, the Chinese government punishes them by taking their shows off Chinese TV and these American sports franchises fall cringingly into line. It's pathetic. The Chinese government is evil, absolutely evil. It imprisons people, it kills people, and it has come up with a system of slave labor and persuaded companies, American companies uh, and European companies, to look the other way in the interests of greater profits through slave labor. Shame on those American companies, too. Absolute shame on you. And one result, because the thing is, okay, so your crap at Walmart is a little bit cheaper, uh, but your son, uh, your daughter's got no jobs except doing the night shift at the quickie crap, and your son has got no jobs except being a small-time heroin dealer. That's what's happened in large parts of America. It's been a disaster, and it's evil. The Chinese government is evil. I'm not saying uh, Chinese people are evil. As I said at the beginning of the show, there were funky Chinamen from funky Chinatown. And a lot of those funky Chinamen are not just funky, but pleasant and agreeable and smart and engaging and witty and good company. But their government is evil. And so making China the manufacturing plant, not just for pharmaceuticals, but for everything else, is an insane policy. And we need to bring a lot of that business home. And if we get out of this thing, uh, that should be the one takeaway. We need serious decoupling from China, not not just on pharmaceuticals, not just on, you know, we don't yet have our tanks and planes and cruise missiles made by China. 
made by China. Although at one point, by the way, the the uh, the interest on the federal debt going to China was actually bigger than the U.S. military budget. That's a statistic. You can read about that more in my book. So, uh, so just to be just to be clear about what that means is if we were ever so so they've massively expanded their military uh, thanks to U.S. taxpayers. So if we ever do go to war with China, the U.S. government will be in the it'll be like a basically a U.S. taxpayer civil war because we'll be funding both sides. That's another example of the stupidity of this strategy. Absolute stupidity as well as being profoundly wicked. But as I said, we don't yet have our tanks and planes and cruise missiles made in China because that's on the grounds of national security. As we should see now, you know, we have got this incoming tsunami uh, that, uh, that, as Secretary Mnuchin just said, is going to do more damage to, to 9-11. So it actually is a national security threat and we've got China threatening to withhold the necessary drugs. Now, let's go back to when this started at the tail end of last year, when, as you know, uh, the United States had put the squeeze on China uh, over, over these ludicrous, uh, this ludicrous uh, trade arrangements we have with them. And President Trump was winning that one decisively, and China was on the back foot over it. So it gets word of this virus. It doesn't tell any of us. It looses the virus around the world. And then if you look at how it was spending its money in January and February. In February, I mentioned, the, uh, yesterday I mentioned the mayor of Florence, Firenze, in Italy. And the mayor of Firenze, of Florence, uh, was last month issuing all these, uh, all these uh, viral uh, tweets and videos saying that you should hug a funky Chinaman. If you see a funky Chinaman uh, in Florence, you should hug him to show you're not racist. Now we have social distancing where you have to stay six feet apart. Nobody's hugging anybody. I'd love a hug. Ain't nobody going to hug me because everybody's socially distancing. So even that idiot virtue signaling Florence mayor isn't telling people to hug funky Chinaman anymore. But what was interesting there, too, they then had this performance art in Florence, people uh, supporting the mayor's policy, Chinese people. They had a Chinese guy in a mask uh, and uh, a big sign on him saying, I am not a virus, hug me. And you were invited, and so ordinary Italians were coming up and hugging him. The Chinese government, the Chinese government put, that video out around the world of uh, of of a Chinese man saying, "I'm not a virus. Hug me." And lo and behold, a few weeks later, Italy is in lockdown, has over thirty-one thousand cases uh, of this thing, and has over twenty-five hundred deaths. And that's do do you want to be politically correct unto death? Because if you do. A totalitarian regime like the Politburo can play you like a Stradivarius. Uh, and it, and that's what it did. It actually issued a video. Last month, it was pumping out videos say, telling Italians to hug Chinese people. And they did. And now we got over 31,000 people with this thing and 2,500 dead. Do you want to be politically correct unto death?
That's the choice. Uh, and if you decide to go down that route, the Chinese Politburo are smart guys, and they understand this, and they can play that. They can play that nonsense. When NBC News is attacking the president for calling it a Chinese virus, the fact of the, the, fact of the matter is, whether or not, whatever conspiracy theory you believe, the fact is that the way China has behaved over this virus renders it unfit to be part of the community of nations. Absolutely unfit. Absolutely unfit. And uh, and if we do not have, if we just say, oh, this is this is just like SARS came along and, you know, a bunch of people died, some charismatics from upstate New York who happened to be at a conference in Toronto. They all got the SARS thing and they all died. But then the SARS passed and we all went back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal this time. I want decoupling from China. If a nation, a continental nation of manifest destiny from sea to shining sea and all the way out to Guam and the northern Mariana Islands can't find somewhere to make its own aspirins, it doesn't deserve to stay in business, frankly. So we, we, have, we have decoupling. If we don't have decoupling out, out of this, you're basically, condemning, uh, you're basically condemning the world to the signification of the planet. And uh, and liberty will die. These people are too powerful already. The Politburo is too powerful. We need decoupling. Even if NBC News says even talking about that is racist. Even if Mike Bloomberg is joined at the hip to Chairman Z, uh, at some point it's it's time to choose. It's time to choose, and we need to choose decoupling. Mark Stein for Rush. Your calls straight ahead. Let's go to Brian in uh, Clayton, North Carolina. Brian, you are live on the Rush Limbaugh Show. Thank you, Mark. It's very uh, nice to speak with you again. Thanks for the call and uh, many prayers going out to Rush and his family. Um, Thank you for that, Brian. The thing that I need your help with, please, you have good insights. and I have been listening intently to some of the quote-unquote solutions uh, program to help all america get better through this thing and the one that really got me thinking the most so far that i'm having difficulty reconciling is why the democratically controlled house with pelosi and company would attach abortion money for planned parenthood to a bill that's supposed to help preserve life by fighting the coronavirus and didn't know if you had any thoughts on that is to help me get my mind around those two things that seem so diametrically opposed in one bill. Well, you know, so far, I believe worldwide, the coronavirus has not killed anybody uh, under the age of nine. So Nancy Pelosi's bill takes care of that by killing a big bunch of babies to even out the age differential over that. Uh, other than other th- something insightful. Other than that, other than that, Brian, uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, this is just like a reflex with them. If you take the little rubber hammer uh, that, that the doctors use to test your reflexes and you were to tap it on Nancy Pelosi's kneecap, you go, boom, uh, she'd, a- she'd put abortion funding in, in the bill. That's what she does. I, I, I said yesterday, <laughs> say what you like about George III, 
the tea act was about tea we have everything here I mean, we have a dysfunctional federal legislative process so we've got now one of these uh, you have to vote for the bill to find out what's in it things and there will be all kinds of stuff there not just the abortion that's that's their thing that whatever happens in the world you know, if the sea levels, if, if the if AOC's thing about the world ending in 12 years comes true and the sea levels rise up to swamp the Maldives and Tuvalu, uh, the reaction of Nancy Pelosi, who'll be 112 then, but still Speaker of the House, uh, will be to increase uh, funding for Planned Parenthood in the uh, in, in the sea ocean, in the oceans rising Tuvalu and supplemental funding bill. That's what she does. That's that's what they do. H.G. Wells wrote a brilliant book uh, 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 over a century ago, The War of the Worlds, about aliens landing on Earth. And it's a brilliant book. But the one thing he got wrong was he don't have a scene there where the aliens come and start marching through Washington, D.C., and Congress meets in emergency session to add supplemental funding for abortion and Planned Parenthood. It is like the reaction of the media complaining about the use of the Chinese virus. Uh, It shows, Brian, that these are basically the most trivial people on Earth. They can't actually address the challenges we're facing. If you can't even deal with a virus without turning it into the usual omnibus boondoggle... You're no use. Now, Trump has allocated, I think, $850 billion, something like that. I would far rather he, that $850 billion were dispersed to the 50 states to spend as they wish, because there's a sporting chance it would get to the people, and the people it would get to. I mean, in California, would they'd give it to Planned Parenthood, assuredly, and a couple of other places, but in most sane states, it would actually be doing something useful. And at some point, people actually have to say, you're a joke to Nancy Pelosi. What isn't about abortion with you? Oh, we've got a General Eisenhower says we need some supplemental funding for the invasion of Normandy in June 1944. Oh, uh, OK, can we get some abortion funding in that, too? You're a joke. And it's time. Uh, it's time the right got serious about not playing the games on this. Thank you for your call, Brian. We have to take an obscene profit time out right now. Happy St. Patrick's Day, oh Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling, or if you're Hunter Biden, oh Hunter boy, the crack pipes are calling. Mark Stein on the EIB network, another hour straight ahead. Yes, America's anchorman is away, and this is Mark Stein, your foreign virus in the bloodstream of the Excellence in Broadcasting Network, little little bit of bio-warfare courtesy of a remote Canadian laboratory in Nunavut. Uh, But don't worry, we got uh, authentic All-American guest hosting tomorrow in the shape of your pal and mine, Ken Matthews. Always love to hear Ken behind the golden EIB microphone. Also love to hear... who. Oh, it's Todd tomorrow, is it? Oh, I'm I'm terribly no one. It's all the memos always on a need to know basis, and no one thinks every. Uh, <laughs> it's Todd Herman tomorrow. Forget Ken Matthews; he's a loser. You don't want to hear him. Yeah, he, to hell with Ken Matthews. Todd Herman's here. He's great. He's terrific. And then Thursday, some guy called Ken Matthews comes in, and then some guy uh, on Friday uh, called Rush Limbaugh comes in. Uh, Rush will be guest hosting for the pre-scheduled guest host on Friday. That's that's the shape of the rest of the week. Todd's 
in tomorrow. Ken, Thursday, Rush, uh, Friday. <laughs> we are, in the meantime, we, we are socially isolated from each other. Uh, you know, because uh, at the EIB network, the guest hosts are like uh, an average of 2,000 miles apart. So we we are taking this social isolation pretty, uh, pretty uh, seriously. It's St. Patrick's Day and I'm I'm semi I'm semi Irish and I love being uh, semi Irish uh, and uh, I wish a semi St. Patrick's Day. It's a little less than a semi St. Patrick's Day uh, to my uh, fellow uh Sons of the old sod, sons of Erin, because uh, it's uh, there's no parades, there's no beer, there's no pubs, there's no nothing. Um, but I did uh, essay a, a couple of bars of uh, Oh Danny Boy, The Pipes, The Pipes Are Calling, but uh, in tribute to uh, <laughs> the incoming president's son, I, uh, I did the Hunter Biden version, oh, Hunter Boy, the crack pipes are calling, and uh, it apparently went down with uh, Joe Biden, uh, because he just called from the Situation Room to wish everyone in Wales a happy St. Andrew's Day. So he's staying on top of things. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that, Mr. Uh, Vice President. Everyone's excited to see how the Bernie versus Biden battle comes out today. Three states holding primary. Ohio decided to skip it, uh, and we will see whether that makes any difference. And there are reports of poll workers not turning up in Florida. Not a great turnout. This isn't going to be a great turnout. Who that uh, one would think that it would be the older people who would be less inclined to go to the vote uh, and expose themselves. Um, and that would appear to benefit Bernie, who has huge margins over Biden when it comes to the under 50s. Um, but we'll see how that all shakes out when they do the election night specials after the polls close uh, tonight. Uh, speaking of Florida, Marco Rubio said something earlier, just as a kind of throwaway aside, that I thought was actually worth listening to. This is a global event that will fundamentally change the structure of the world political order, the world economic order for a generation. This is a huge event that's happening, and for our country it's very impactful. That makes partisan bickering and pot shots at this point trivial. That's uh, interesting to me. Just attend to that. A global event that will fundamentally change the structure of the world political order, the world economic order for a generation. At a certain level, I think he's right there. And I said, "What we should already be thinking about the, the long-term things we want to change. The rise of China has been a disaster for, a world, for the world. It has done nothing to liberate China. And we have had economic battles. China is tussling with America uh, to be the uh, dominant economic power on the planet. And we have had those kind of competitions before. You had it in the late 19th century between Britain, America, and Germany. But all those countries were, in an economic sense, in terms of their theories of economic liberty, and to a degree in terms of their theories of political liberty, playing on the same turf, too. China isn't. China, with the encouragement and cooperation of global corporations, has found the only economically viable form of communism. 
because we gave all our manufacturing to them. They don't have a domestic market. You know, if you go back to the 19th century, the way the way things worked is uh, uh, Britain would make a product and it would sell well in Britain, so you think you might export it. And America would make a product and it would sell well in America, so you think you might export it. And Germany would make a product and sell well in Germany, so you think it might export it. And at some point, all those people find themselves competing in the same space on the same by more or less the same rules. That's not what happens here. China doesn't really have a domestic market. I mean, it has a market in the sense that it has a market where they sell live animals uh, that have been infected by bats, and it has a market in the sense that the lab rats at that facility in Wuhan, when they're no longer up to uh, being useful as lab rats, are all sent down to the market to be the special of the day. It has that kind of market, but it doesn't have a developed consumer market in the way that advanced uh, economic powers do. So it doesn't have the same considerations. Uh, and it has been an act of absolute folly to do what uh, the Chamber of Commerce right has encouraged, the Koch brothers' right um, has in, in, in taking all uh, America's manufacturing and giving it to China. And, and that's got to stop. And we should be planning for the stopping of that now. We shouldn't be waiting till the end of this virus thing. We should be actually uh, planning that now. The other thing we should be mounting a full frontal assault on is those two codgers, Statler and Waldorf, Bernie Statler and Joe Waldorf from The Muppet Show uh, holding their debate the other night. And they're, all, they're still talking about climate change. They're still talking about... Uh, I, I heard this uh, group, Extinction Rebellion. Do you know those guys? They're the guys who uh, uh, go and uh, spray fire ha hoses, spraying red paint over ministries of finance uh, across the world, that, that, that group. And they're all concerned because now that there's actually a real imminent threat, no one wants to worry about sea levels in the Maldives uh, in, in the year 2120. No one's interested, or 2200. No one's worrying about that anymore. We should learn that all the things they're saying are going to save the, 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 the polar bears, uh, save the three-toed Latin American tree sloth or whatever it is they're upset about, are things that ex uh, increase your risk of these viruses, like these, like go, moving from I mentioned yesterday to uh, the, the people g giving up single-use paper bags or plastic bags at supermarkets and and insisting on taking in their 2003 Charlie Rose tote bag that they got in the PBS pledge drive. And I got this pushback from people saying, Stein's an idiot. Doesn't he know that people can wash tote bags? Have you had a look at the Charlie Rose tote bag in the supermarket line that the nice lady, uh, PBS watching lady, uh, bought in 2003? It doesn't look like she's washing it a lot. She's bringing germs back to the supermarket every time. There's a reason that a dynamic, advanced society, before it lost its marbles, uh, moved to single-use bags for groceries and all the rest of it. Uh, they, these, these reusable cups that they take into Starbucks. Are you entirely confident they're not just walking the old coronavirus back into your local Starbucks? 
We got to actually end that. Uh, the other thing: have you had, have you taken a look at uh, the pictures of the subway system and the buses? These are people who are saying you can't have your SUV, you can't have your uh, Toyota Corona or whatever it's called. You can't have uh, you can can't have any of these vehicles. We want you on buses. We want you going to work jam packed into subway cars. How do you think viruses spread? So. The whole leftist world view of, of where advertising how much you care by making things worse for people has got to stop. Now, if you're, if you are a nice PBS lady, a lot of these PBS viewers, uh, these, these ladies of a certain age who like to watch the PBS, I'm not saying anything against them. A lot, a lot of them are perfectly pleasant, perfectly nice people, but they're bonkers. They have persuaded themselves that entirely useless narcissism uh, is going to save the planet. And so a, uh, a few weeks back, that was kind of uh, useless but relatively harmless. Now it's useless but endangering, and they should have it shoved back down their throats. I, and just uh, to, do, uh, to, to deal with other things uh, that are related to that... We've heard, I think it's seven TSA members so far. This is, again, something that uh, that uh, Daniel Defoe wrote about over 300 years ago when he was writing about the, um, the plague in London in the 17th century. And he wrote about how the medical profession and other people in the bureaucracy started coming down with this. We now have members of the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control have come through, come down with the virus and they've come down with it for some reason because uh in one assumes because in part because they're working on it that they're uh that's true of the doctors in italy and in washington state new york it's very intimate when you're dealing with ventilators for example in the intensive care unit it's very intimate whatever protocols you follow a microsecond and it changes, and the virus passes from the guy you think you're insulated from through uh, the protocols you have followed and into you. But we also have seven people at the TSA who have tested positive, at least seven, and you've got to bet it's a lot more, because these people are patting down your groin and grandma's crotch and all the rest of it all day long. How many groins... Do the TSA have their fingers in in the course of a day? They're patting you down. It's the security theater. It's never caught a single terrorist. It's a complete waste of time. We've had it now for almost two decades, and it still looks, when you're at the average American airport, as if 9-11 happened last week, and they're improvising with a few hastily recruited staff and some trestle tables from Walmart. It's It's ridiculous. And as I said, a few weeks ago, it was ridiculous but benign. You put up with it because they can kick you off the plane. Uh, but now it's not actually benign. As we saw over the weekend, the TSA are actually uh, facilitators of infection. Max Brooks uh, Mel and Mel Brooks made this video uh, warning people of Max's generation or are young not to infect those of Max's dad's generation mel brooks who are old and it ends with the hashtag don't be a spreader right now the tsa are being spreaders they still haven't gotten their hands 
out of your trousers. And that's going to increase, that's going to increase the spread of infection because the security theater now. And so this is what this is, uh, uh, this, this is, this is, uh, if Marco Rubio is right, and this is going to, f- as he says, quote, fundamentally change the structure of the world political order, f- the world economic order for a generation, unquote, it's time to start thinking about the ways in which you want it to change. Because in the vacuum, you'll get Nancy Pelosi and co. Uh, saying, oh, yeah, it has to fundamentally change. We're going to have more abortions. We're going to have more people patting you down. We're going to have more and more made by China. We're going to have more and more rubbish of the kind that got us into this mess. It's time to start pushing back now on the changes we demand uh, after this thing has gone. Mark Stein for us, your calls straight ahead. I said uh, a couple of minutes ago that um, uh, Ron, uh, that I think I attributed the Florida primary going ahead to Rick Scott. Um, uh, and in fact, uh, he's not the Florida governor anymore. It's Ron DeSantis who's the governor. I, it, it, the, the, the guy who's now senator used to be the governor or the guy who's now governor used to be the senator, whichever one it is. But I ought to have known uh, that Ron DeSantis is actually uh, in charge in Florida um, because when he was running, uh, the Washington Post said he was utterly unfit for office on the grounds that he'd once attended a speech of mine in Palm Beach. Uh, fortunately, that didn't work with the voters of Florida. Otherwise, you'd now have that uh, meth head who's partial to rent boys, uh, whatever that guy's name is, as your governor. Um, and instead, it's Ron DeSantis um, who is uh, running this, whose who's, uh, administration is running this primary today. Let's go to Mary Lou. In uh, Winter Park in Florida, don't know what the polling stations are like there, but it is great to have Mary Lou on the show. What's on your mind today, Mary Lou? Well, I just wanted to say, Mark, is there no one who can influence or hold to account those in the media who are practicing yellow journalism? It's tantamount to yelling fire in a theater, all in the interest of bringing down Trump and they don't give a hoot about we the people. Well, Is this there anyone. This this gets back to that last bit of that little clip of Marco Rubio I played, who says that makes partisan bickering and pot shots at this point trivial. Um, to answer your question, we saw this in Katrina. If you remember in Katrina, the first couple of days reporting was that there were alligators swimming through the streets of New Orleans, and there were thousands of uh, dead bodies piled up in whatever that uh, big sports, the Sky Dome or whatever the sports stadium there is called. And in fact, none of that turned out to be true. And none of the people who reported on that, including people who were claiming to be on the scene, like Brian Williams falsely claiming to be watching dead bodies float past him, uh, are all still on the air. They never pay the price. What I think what we can do, Mary Lou, and, and is is actually point out, and I think people are are seeing this, point out uh, in Marco Rubio's word how trivial all this is. I'm just looking at a tweet here from a CBS News correspondent called uh, Wager Jang, who says, This morning a White House official referred to coronavirus as the Kung Flu 
to my face. Makes me wonder what they're calling it behind my back. Uh, who cares what they're calling it behind your back? Either they, if this thing is important to the media, it's important enough that they shouldn't be devoting their resources to establishing whether uh, the White House is referring to coronavirus as the Kung Flu. <laughs> they're, basically, they're basically saying we have no useful contribution to make to this debate. And I will say this, actually, you, you have rare surprises. Here's CNN's Dana Bash, who basically devotes herself to Dana bashing the president most of the time. And she said on on uh, TV, she said, uh, President Trump, quote, is being the kind of leader that people need. I'm surprised she's still in the building. I'm surprised she hasn't been marched out by by security. Occasionally, occasionally people will get real. But the thing about the thing about this is uh, once they start complaining about him referring it to it as the Chinese virus or to calling it the Kung flu or anything else, they're actually saying we're not taking we're not taking this seriously. It's all just about getting the president, getting the president. And it doesn't work like that. Not in serious times, uh, not in times when there are people dying and uh, the economy tanking. You've got to do better than that, media. Hey, absolutely lovely to be with you, even in dark times from uh, Ice Station EIB in the Great North Woods, just a stone's throw from the Canadian border. The Canadian border is closed, supposedly. Justin got tough, um, apparently uh, in part in part because his uh, lovely wife uh, Sophie is afflicted with the coronavirus. We're apparently being asked to believe that all these prime ministerial wives are coming down with it, like the uh, wife of the Spanish prime minister. But the prime ministers themselves remain unaffected. Uh, at any rate, Justin got tough all of a sudden and stopped Chinese flights yesterday. Now, you remember this? Uh, there was one guy on the planet who stopped them way back in January, and that was Donald J. Trump. And the European Union and the Dominion of Canada two months to catch up with Donald Trump on that, but eventually came to the same position. Because in the end, one of the interesting things about crises is people is people get tribal. Uh, and so borders matter. And, and then it becomes a question of saying, well, what tribe are you? Uh, and in the European Union, for example, they were asked to pretend that they're all Europeans. They're not Swedes. They're not uh, Danes. They're not Spaniards, they're not Dutchmen, they're not Belgians, they're Europeans. Then this thing hits, and uh, Italy is locked down, and Germany forbids German doctors from going to help Italy, because suddenly, instead of being European, everybody's Italian and German and Spanish again. You get a great sense when something like this strikes about what people's real primal uh, allegiance is in situations like that's one of the... Uh, interesting features about it. Interestingly, uh, the Canadian border is closed, supposedly, to everybody except Canadian citizens, permanent residents, and U.S. citizens. And people are going a little bit goofy about that in Canada and saying, well, why do the Americans get an exception? And Justin's explaining that uh, continental policy is also linked in and tied in that it's very difficult to ban Americans. <laughs> He's implying that he'd like to find a way. What I find interesting about this is his Minister of Public Safety, this absolutely repulsive creature called Bill Blair, 
who was one of the worst Toronto police chiefs, a great opponent of liberty, hostile to free speech, an unattractive character in a zillion different ways. Uh, And he's now uh, Her Majesty's Minister of Public Safety in Ottawa. And he says illegal immigrants are still allowed in. So you cannot, if you're a Frenchman visiting your cousins in Montreal or you're a German businessman going to Toronto for a business meeting, you can't get in. But illegal immigrants can still get in. So all the German and the infected German and the infected Italian, all they have to do is throw away their passports and say they're refugees and they can still get in. You know, again, it's this very, the suicidal, the suicidal tendency in advanced Western democracies is now so strong that it takes more and more effort for the survival instinct uh, to kick in. But basically, in the last 24 hours, people have rediscovered borders, which is uh, interesting uh, for those of us who think that was the main reason that Trump got uh, reelected. I mentioned earlier that uh, the red light district in Amsterdam uh, had closed for the duration um, so um, uh, they're not going to green light the red light district anywhere soon. And I rather regretted this because I said this was what I had uh, feared might happen, that this would be a story without a happy ending. It's a different story in Nevada. A Nevada brothel is now demanding uh, masks for <laughs> sex during the coronavirus scare. This is courtesy of uh, TMZ, or TMZ, as I would say. TMZ says uh, that uh, the half-dozen biggest brothels in Las Vegas remain open for business with an asterisk. One brothel manager said all the customers have to wear masks when they walk in, and even during sex. And uh, I don't know what that means. I mean, uh, I'm not quite sure. If you... if you've been wearing a mask anyway and then you walk in, do they make you put another mask on? That's that's kind of anyway, I don't know. I don't know how that uh, how that's going to go. I don't think given the other bits, given given the bits that are unmasked, that that's really going to do it. Um, anyway, it's never a good thing uh, when uh, you're talking about hand sanitizer. <laughs> another a brothel manager said they've got an enormous bottle of hand sanitizing in a brothel it's not just the hands that need sanitizing um i'm surprised at that and uh at any rate uh amsterdam's brothels are shut down but nevada's nevada's brothels remain open for business this is this is the in in san francisco you can't go out now except to visit a grocery store or a pharmacy. But in Nevada, the brothels are still open. And this is what people are complaining. I mean, I, I love this, the the way the left, coming back to Trump not being Hitler enough, they're all saying he's issued guidelines. The president has issued guidelines. And one of his advisors said today that she wanted people to treat the guidelines as rules. Don't meet in crowds of more than 10 and everything. But but the the media are saying, where's Hitler when we need him? We've damned this guy as Hitler for three years. 
Where's the why? Why won't Trump let out his inner Hitler? That he's Hitler on everything else. He's been Hitler for three and a half years. Hitler this, Hitler that, behaving like Hitler, the new Hitler. Achtung, Sieg Heil, jawohl, Herr Trump. And now suddenly, just when you need Hitler, you need the strong hand of the the tiller. You need the firm lash of strong government. You need a bit of a Nuremberg rally telling us all what to do. Uh, and suddenly Hitler is nowhere on in in sight. And <laughs> there's never a Hitler around when you need one. That's basically what the leftist media are, are, are complaining about on the, this thing. So. <laughs> Then we have then we have uh, Sleepy Joe Hitler, who's the one he's been attacking Trump for not spending enough time in the Situation Room. Did you know that they have a room in the in the White House called the Situation Room? People thought you might think it's just that show that Wolf Blitzer does uh, when you're stuck at the airport. It's called the Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer, but there is an actual Situation Room in the White House where everybody goes when there's a situation. And Sleepy Joe was criticizing Trump for not spending all this time in the situation room monitoring the situation. And this he said, if I were president, I'd be in the situation room all the time. Uh, Good luck with that. Do you remember the last time I thought of the situation room? There was that picture. I think it was the night they shot bin Laden in Abbottabad. And it showed them all sitting in the... It was the same night of the Canadian election as well. Maybe that was the situation. Uh, but they were all sitting around the situation room, Hillary with this shocked look on her face. Uh, so she was either watching uh, the assassination of Osama bin Laden or late-breaking results from the Canadian election that night. But whatever it was, it was pretty shocking. And the situation... So much of this permanent bureaucracy is not actually helpful at this time. The CDC is a ridiculous institution. It, it had one thing to do, which is supposed to control diseases uh, with these things that break out. And they've broken out a lot in the 21st century where we've had SARS and we've had H1N1 or N1H15, as Joe Biden called it the other night. It doesn't matter. It's all just jargon. He, 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 took, a, he took a shot at it. He was in the ballpark. Uh, it's like the AR-14, that rifle he wants to ban. He was the, um, I think the N-15 is another rifle he wants to, the H-1, N- the N-1-H-1-H-1-N-1-H-1-5, that's another one of these scary assault weapons he wants to ban. That's all it has to do. It hasn't actually reacted to these, the, the increasing frequency of these diseases from remote parts of the world that now, thanks to air travel, leap from one continent to another within hours. It hasn't actually done anything for that. And instead, it started combating racism. You know, racism may be socially deplorable, but it isn't actually an infectious disease in the sense that the Centers for Disease Control was set up for. We need to actually, it's the Mrs. Thatcher's old line, if you set up a bureaucracy to deal with a problem, you'll never be uh, rid of it. And that's why she was, whenever people came to her, something was happening. And uh, she said, they'd say, well, we need to set up a Department of State to deal with this. She'd always say, no, then you'll never be rid of it. And that's true. But there's the next stage, that if you set up a useless bureaucracy to deal with something, not only will you never be rid of it, but it will metastasize and it will use its budget for social justice codswallop 
in the way the Centers for Disease Control has. And if we're looking to what happens at the end of all this, actually shrinking the CDC or even privatizing it, privatizing it in the way of Sir Roger Douglas, the finance minister of New Zealand a few years back, who took a lot of the bureaucracies and simply privatized them, um, we're going to have this thing recur again and again. Because the minute this thing is, you've seen the media, they're complaining that he's labeled it a Chinese virus and he's racist. But where did they get that from? The Centers for Disease Control itself thinks that racism is a disease. We need narrowly focused departments uh, that have a particular mission. When they have unlimited budgets and zero scrutiny, then you end up with people as useless and incompetent as the CDC has proved. Mark Stein for Rush, your calls straight ahead. Quickly, let's take David from Jacksonville, Florida. David, what's on your mind today? Hey, good afternoon, Mark. You're doing an admirable job. I uh, wanted to just say one thing about those surgical masks required in Nevada brothels. Must be welcome news for clients like Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew, who want to desire some level of anonymity. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's true. When you go to the shady part of town, pull your head down and wear a surgical mask. Good thinking. Welcome news for those two. Hey, look, uh, I remember uh, the Churchill quote about a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. Do you remember when uh, your Canadian Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney, whose yep. mother had medical tests were delayed for months and months. And right. ultimately, where did the prime minister, of, former prime minister of Canada, have to go? He brought her to the U.S. Yep. Not some yep. socialized medicine country, not any place else, to the U.S. This is a prime right. minister. So right. I, I know it'll be, it won't be a socialized country that comes up with a solution for this virus. It'll be the U.S. And we need right. to shut Pelosi down with this fact. Yeah, that's 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 very that's very true. And uh, in in a sense, what's happening in Canada at the moment? Thank you for your call, Dave. We have to run. But basically, what has happened there is Justin Trudeau sat there denying reality, and then suddenly yesterday decided, oh, oh my God, it's happening! I better see what Trump has done and done it too, and do it two months later. Pathetic. Mark Stein for Rush. We'll close it out in a moment. Thanks to Keith and Mike and Mr. Snurdly. Todd Herman is going to be here tomorrow, the great uh, Todd Herman. He's promised me a moose steak. I will hold him to that. Ken Matthews comes in on Thursday, and the indispensable man, Rush Limbaugh, will be here for Open Line Friday on America's number one radio show. Stay safe, America. Stay safe. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.